This is Tap In Geek Out with your hosts, Doug Lund and Eric G. Hollis. Not recording from the BitCave this evening. We've actually got the <laughs> remote gear working again after what? How long have we been working on this shit now? Oh, gosh, I can't even remember when I was setting up tonight. I was thinking, when's the last time I even recorded remotely? Because as you know, as much as I love recording with you, I hate that we have to do it this way sometime. But I think we figured out to make the sound tolerable enough for myself. I mean, when I started podcasting, this was the only way that I ever did it. But I really like the face-to-face conversation. That's how I prefer to do it now. So we're just going to have to slum it tonight, I guess. Well, you sound great. And you look even better. Uh, Well, thank you. Maybe one day we'll have the confidence we can release this awesome video for our (laughs) listeners. I'm ready. I have no shame. Well, we'll we'll talk about that after I guess we get done today. What are you drinking? Oh, I can't wait to show you this. (laughs) Oh, awesome. (laughs) Look at this fucking beast. Wow, we went with the same brewery. What are the odds of that? Not high, I imagine, right? No, not at all, in fact. Uh, and I didn't even go to the liquor store. I ordered my beer delivered to my door today because I didn't know that you could do that. I want to hear more about that. Let me introduce this beer. Again, like Eric said, somehow without even communicating this ahead of time, we both went with Lagunitas beers tonight. This one caught my eye. I was just looking for something different to talk about on the cast. Um, It is a gigantic one-quart bomber. Is it still bomber territory if it's this big? Yeah. (laughs) It it feels like more than a quart. I mean, it feels like I'm holding a half gallon of liquid here, but I think that must be the weight of the glass. Anyways, this is the uh, 2017 one-hitter series, and it's called Sakitumi, or Sakitumi, I guess. I really don't know how to pronounce it because... I've never said it out loud before, but it's an ale with sake, yeast, and rice. And I knew when I picked this up that it was going to be not something that we talked about before or probably something that either one of us has tried. I don't know if 2017 series means it's only been released this year or if they've just released it in a one window every year. Do you know? I don't. Based on the way you described it, I'm going to assume that's their beer, their limited beer this year underneath that category, and they'll do a different one next year. Look at that dude knocking out the fucking logo there. I like it. I like that art style. How does it taste? Because I think sake tastes like shit. Mm. Sake can be good and bad. So it's not made with sake. It's made with sake yeast, and it doesn't taste like sake at all. Mm. 9% ABV, so you definitely get the strong flavor of alcohol. I don't even know how to describe that. It's um, really yeasty. Okay. I don't know that I'm ready to rate that one yet. It, it kind of punched me in the mouth, much like the little dude on the bottle. And I think it may need to let my taste buds adapt to it. What are you drinking, buddy? I'm also drinking a Lagunitas. I'm drinking one I've had before. It's called Little Something Something Ale. 7.5 ABV, 64.2 IBU. And it's OG number, whatever that is, is 1.076. Really good. I am ready to rate it because I've had it before. My sister turned me on to this beer at one of our holiday celebrations, and I really like it a lot. I'm going to give this a 4.2 out of 5. This is a beer I'll I'll drink a six-pack of. I I like the taste of it a lot, and it's definitely kind of out of my normal beer range. I like it a lot. Andrew, Melinda's husband, drinks a lot of IPAs, and he really likes this, so. I've been telling people for the past month that online grocery shopping has changed my life. Uh, I had seen that there were uh, liquor delivery services as well. I have yet to use one, so I'm really curious to hear about your experience. It was good. Granted, it's it's just exactly like Grubhub. 
you were going to pay out the nose to get beer delivered to your house. Basically, two six packs cost me 30 bucks when it normally would have been like 22 bucks, 23 bucks. So $7 more delivery fee and tip. And there's no upcharge on the product itself. It's all about the delivery and tip. That's where their margin is. Right. That's exactly where it is. Yeah. The six packs, the two six packs I bought were both $9.99 a piece. I wanted to try it because, as you know, it was a rivalry weekend. Georgia played Georgia Tech today. The game's at 10 o'clock here. So I started drinking beer by 12 o'clock. Sure, I could have driven to the liquor store, but as I always say, Doug, safety first. So instead of getting into my car, I spent the extra $10 and I got the beer uh, that I wanted to drink tonight delivered to me. I think it's phenomenal. I, you know, is it something I'll do all the time? No, because I should have just got beer yesterday (laughs) when I was out and about. But I like the service. It was great. The guy shows up at the door. You show your ID. He gives you your six packs and you're on your way. So you pulled a TRG by starting drinking at 10 o'clock, but then didn't follow through with the analogy by driving around wasted. That's nice. I like to hear that. I cooked a, a pork tenderloin, made some mushrooms. I had a good lunch, watched some more football, took a walk. Yeah, no, I uh, I know how to handle my 10 a.m. drinking. You can't start at 10 and make it all day unless you have some pacing. I was worried about uh, your state, but uh, once you told me you took a walk, I figured you probably burned through all that liquor. What'd you do another six or seven miles today? It was gorgeous. Seven and a half. It was gorgeous. Uh, I know I had a great walk. I listened. I caught up on some podcast because between work and being sick, I haven't been able to to get out as much. So I really wanted to take this four-day weekend and make sure I did something physical outside every day. And the weather has been wonderful. In fact, I don't think it's supposed to get shitty again until Tuesday. So I'll take another uh, another nice uh, stroll tomorrow. It'll be good. It's uh, I love November like this. Beautiful weather. Can't, can't beat it at all. Before we move on here, can you tell us about the service or the app that you use for the liquor delivery and if you'd recommend it? I would definitely recommend it. It's called Drizzly. No, it was good. Huge selection. Now, Tyler used him before, and he told me that a couple of his beers, they didn't have them at the time. So the guy called him from the liquor store, and Tyler had to pick out alternates. But they were able to bring me a six-pack of this delicious Lagunitas and a six-pack of Colette in bottles. That's not too bad. No, that doesn't sound bad at all. I noticed that Drizzly had service in the Denver area as well, so I'm going to have to give them a shot. I think I'm ready to rate this beer. No one at home can see your face. I'm thinking this is going to be a low rating here. It's not going to be an easy rating. Like, So the more I drink it, the more obviously hoppy it is. I missed that on the first few swigs because it is really, really hoppy. And I think I was mistaking that for something else. It's not called an IPA, but it sure as hell tastes like one. And not just any IPA, but like the hoppiest 80-some-plus IBUs that you can imagine IPAs. All of that being said, I can enjoy it. I can probably get through a quart of it. I doubt I'll ever drink that much of it in one sitting again. It's a tasty beer. I'm going to go with an even 3.5, and I know that's a cop-out rating, but it's better than a 3. It's definitely not a 4. It falls somewhere in between, and I'm too lazy to figure out exactly where. I know Lagunitas IPA, their normal one, is a very popular IPA. You should try that next. I have had the Lagunitas IPA. It's all right. It's not one of my favorites, but in general, I think they make pretty solid beverages. I like them, and I guess they're out of California and also Chicago. I assume California first. My bottle's got an interesting story on it. It says, so we're all on collective disability. That's cool. Let's put some ice on it and keep ourselves elevated for a while. So what's on the tube? Honey, 
get me a beer from the fridge, will you, sweetie? Please? <laughs> Whatever the fuck that means. Yeah, that was a journey, though. Mine says, life is uncertain, don't sip. And I think that's great advice. That's on my bottle, too. Oh, okay, so that's a Lagunitas thing. That must be their motto. So we did a Lagunitas review, and then we did another Lagunitas review, and that is pretty much a reflection of how my week has gone, which is a bunch of do-overs. And what I mean by that is between a game, a movie, and a television show, I went back and redid something that I had done very recently and enjoyed it just as much as I did the first time. Connor and I saw Justice League again today, which we talked about in the last episode of Tapping Geek Out. Uh, I also restarted The Fractured Butthole earlier this week. And a show which I'd done solo once and enjoyed it so much that I forced my poor wife to sit down and watch it. And I think she actually enjoyed it. Future Man. I just finished it last night. Um, Tiger's a biotic, right? Yeah. Obligatory spoiler alert, which maybe I can edit in in the beginning. (laughs) I said it last week. And if you listen to this cast and we are going to talk about something pop culture related, we are going to spoil the shit out of it. Let's just set that expectation up front. If you see Future Man listed in the episode description, we are going to spoil shit about Future Man. So you want to start right at the end, the very last scene where we see Wolf being overtaken by some kind of gas that has no effect on Tiger. The supposition being that she's a biotic. Yeah, we get a good cliffhanger, actually. We get Josh in jail and we get the lightning strike at the end, which I I figured would happen. I loved the show. I thought it was done so well. I'm glad they were 30-minute short episodes. Uh, It kept the humor fresh. Rest in peace, Glenn Headley. I don't know how they're going to write his mom out of the second season, but you know she's not alive anymore. I did not know that. When did she pass? She passed, I think, right after they got done filming. The first episode of Future Man, at the end, it says, rest in peace, Glenn Headley. Oh, shit. They probably shot the whole thing at once. I assume that's how they do things. That's really unfortunate. Yeah, because I love her. She's great. Not just for her family, but for her fans as well. Uh, I did not know that. I completely missed that. You just added a really somber note to this episode, Eric. You should feel bad. Well, I can't go back in time and change it. (laughs) Or can you? I don't know. You have to be careful going back in time, though. You might end up with someone else's penis and or asshole. And (laughs) the asshole joke, the dick joke was great, dude. Don't get me wrong. It was great. But one of my favorite lines, I think, in the whole series is when they, they land back and, uh, and Tiger says, why is my asshole numb? Oh, my God. That I don't was, know. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I did cocaine because it was awesome. The, the 80s episode and the James Cameron episode, I guess, are the two that really stand out for me. The episode where they're in James Cameron's house and the computer's like, you told a truer lie. Like, oh, my God, dude, I lost my shit. The analogy I've been drawing for people who want to know what Future Man is about is uh, Stranger Things is to 80s horror what Future Man is to 80s and 90s sci-fi. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of that. And I think if you like those movies, especially Back to the Future, you're going to find a lot to like in Future Man. It's just really, uh, it's really raunchy. Like, I wouldn't recommend my parents watch Future Man. No, and, and that's uh, probably something good to note. Hulu, with uh, one of its, I guess, first original productions, how many series does Hulu have running these days? I think they have about uh, about 10. Okay. Like of their own. So still getting their original content off the ground. I, I got to say, I've been very vocal against ever subscribing to Hulu. And if there was one thing that would uh, convince me 
to to actually sign up and pay them every month. It's content like this because I will absolutely pay for this kind of quality entertainment. I don't know if it was just the fact that Seth and Evan with their clout were able to draw as much talent and production dollars to it as they did. You can tell that this was done on a reasonably sized budget, but the quality from start to finish is amazing. Well, you saw Hutcherson's a producer as well. I did not see that. Yeah, so I think he probably is taking his Hunger Games money and making the show he wants to make. You can definitely tell he's pretty invested in the character, I think. I I think he likes playing him. Uh, The scripts are amazing. Every episode has a couple good laugh-out-loud jokes in it. Yeah, I can't say enough about the show except go fucking watch it, please. So many jokes to love and so many callbacks, and you know they're going to do a season two. I'm really hoping they are. We've seen Seth and Evan work with specific people in the past, and we've heard them say on many occasions, we wrote this character for this person. I've done very little research on this show, but I've never seen Josh Hutcherson with any of the projects that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg have done in the past. The character's name is Josh. They cast Josh Hutcherson. Did they write this part for him, do you think? I do, and I think they wrote Tiger for uh, Eliza Coop completely. There's even a line in the 80s episode where she says something like, it's not my fault I have resting bitch face or whatever. Like, oh my God, it was perfect. Because <laughs> she does. She looks fucking mean. She has since she was on Scrubs, but I, I love her to death. I love her as an actress. That was going to be my next question is where you knew her from, because I didn't recognize her out of the gate. Scrubs, the last season of Scrubs, when they go to teach at the college the very maligned final season of Scrubs. Uh, Her and Dave Franco are two of the interns. Okay. So that might be how she's connected to Seth Rogen. The Franco connection. The Franco connection, which completely different note. But if I am coming up next weekend to record, we have to go see the disaster artist. That sounds like something we've talked about before. What the fuck is the disaster artist? Also a Seth Rogen production, but it's about James Franco playing uh, Tommy Wiseau in the room. Oh, that's right. It's a documentary. Oh, hi, Mark. No, it's not a documentary. It's a docudrama. A docudrama. Like Man of the Moon was, where Jim Carrey played Andy Kaufman. Or The People vs. Larry Flint. What do you call that? Is that a docudrama? Or a biopic? Franco plays Wiseau. And if you haven't seen The Room, you're going to hate every fucking minute of it, but you need to watch it. I know you will despise it. I made it about 20 minutes into the room. I couldn't convince myself it was worth finishing. Ah, but it is. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Convince me. (laughs) Obviously, it's such a cultural touchstone that they're making the disaster artists about it. That just means to me that it's much more likely that the the biopic or the, the docudrama or whatever is going to be more entertaining than the actual product, much like plan nine from outer space and Ed Wood. Ed Wood. Okay. And there's a couple others that, that are examples of something we talked about last weekend. How the fuck did this get made? When that becomes a, a full blown documentary, it's often a better <laughs> piece of work than the original. I have no doubt when you start with the room, there is nowhere to go, but up. <laughs> What's the draw? What is it that people love about that? It's one of those shitty movies, much like Miami Connection, where you can tell they tried. And for me, that's all it takes. Like there's shitty movies where you watch them and you're like, eh, they didn't really put their whole heart and soul into this. 
when you watch The Room or Miami Connection, they thought they made a good movie. Like <laughs> when they watch it, they think it's great. And that to me, I'm obsessed with that, man. And again, you hated Miami Connection, barely made it through it. Uh, Scott and I could sit down and watch that right now, start to finish and quote almost every line. It's bad. Good. We'll save this for another tap in, but we should do a list of the top 10 best shitty movies. You don't get to make the list. I'll, I'll make the list because I'm, I'm fully versed on this, but. It's such a strange working concept for a list to begin with. The best shittiest movies. There's some great ones. We should call it the list of stuff that Doug will never watch. Well, I've gotten you to watch some of them. Yeah, I've almost forgiven you for a couple of them, too. We need to do Birdemic. <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's bring this back on topic because there's so much more to say about Future Man. At least I have more to say. I, I don't know if you do. It was well written. It was well acted. The jokes were great. I don't know if you're not familiar with the 80s. If the jokes are that great. It was a very tons of references. Almost every line of dialogue is a reference. Did you ever think you're going to hear a new Corey Hart song? No, you didn't, but you got to. Uh, Corey Hart song that was apparently written for the show, right? I, I assume he did. I mean, what really is Corey Hart doing? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard that name in years and years, but I want to say when I was listening to the lyrics of the song that he's playing on the piano, that there was some context that was specific to Future Man. I thought it was a nice touch. I really liked the episode they did where they were split up, where um, she ends up raising the person they're trying to kill and gets that crazy ass Southern accent. And <laughs> I, I, I thought it was so good. Like every episode was good. There wasn't a throwaway episode. And it's one of those shows you can sit down and watch in a day. I savored it. I wanted to spread it out because I knew it was probably the best thing I was going to see this year. Shit, I know it is. And I remember you telling me that before I had even watched an episode. I was a skeptic. I don't know that I can disagree with you at this point. I think I told you my favorite joke, which was from the James Cameron episode. I think I told you when we were chatting, it was six, but it's actually the seventh. Because six also takes place entirely in a house. But then when I watched seven, I was like, there's no way he wasn't talking about the James Cameron episode because he knows how much I like jokes like this. The fact that the security system's named Sigourney, they had me right there. And Wolf ends up befriending it and learning Navi. And oh God, it was so good. <laughs> And I thought we were actually going to see James Cameron because you figure he probably had to sign off on that, right? I know you're allowed to do whatever you want, but it just seemed like some of those cuts were so deep that James kind of had to be in on the joke, maybe. I don't know that much about James Cameron, but to me, he's never seemed like someone I would call a good sport. And there was some pretty biting criticisms of James Cameron in that episode. Especially... um Tiger's jokes about the lighting. That was my favorite part of the whole episode. <laughs> and it's stuff like that that made the show for me. And again, maybe the audience is just me and you. My parents would hate that show just because of the raunch. But anyone that, that's our age that appreciates uh, some good, dirty humor and callbacks to name all of the different franchises they covered. I mean, Back to the Future and Terminator up front. Oh, Top Gun. Spud's fucking McKenzie. The last starfighter. Tons of shit. Like, we're not even scratching the surface. There's, there's so many references. But even with all of the references, they still managed to assemble what I would call a pretty original storyline. It's all stuff that's been done before. But again, to use the Stranger Things comparison, 
somehow managed to make it fresh and thoroughly entertaining. When they give out Emmys this year, if the guy that played young Ed Begley Jr. doesn't get nominated, the whole system is a sham. (laughs) You liked him? Oh, my God. He was fucking pitch perfect. Isn't that what you imagine young Ed Begley would be like? That's a good point. I didn't think about it. I was so enamored with Wolf. Not only is he one of my new heroes, uh, I don't know that I've ever seen that actor in anything else, so it's really hard for me to compare. But I loved his storyline. I thought he got the best jokes, the best story arc, and so committed to that character because from start to finish, I mean, that gravelly accent can't be easy on your vocal cords. And he just shined. I loved his restaurant idea where you kidnap people. And so you think you're about to die and then he feeds you and it ends up tasting like the best food ever. <laughs> it's brilliant. All of it was was good start to finish. They stuck the landing. They stuck the ending. A lot of shows don't do that. Shit, I told you within the first 10 minutes it was going to be my favorite show of the year and it did not disappoint or let me down. Hell, you loved it so much you watched it twice. I did. And it's the show that people will not hear me shut up about at work now. Really difficult to evangelize a show like that when it's platform specific. And I have a feeling there's going to be more and more of these that we're going to be talking about going forward. Oh, there absolutely is. It's getting to the point where I guess Netflix and Hulu, I guess you'd say we're at the top. But these other apps are starting to pull their properties back, you know, that they've given to Netflix and Hulu. Right. CW is a huge one. I used to watch CW shows on Hulu, like The Flash, for example. No more. Uh, they have their own app that I have to, you know, steal from your cable. So it's <laughs> it's it's going to get to the point where, like you said last week, you're not going to be paying for cable, but you're going to be paying $10 a piece for 10 different apps to watch everything you want to watch. And that's when I start to feel like we're headed back in the wrong direction now. I love the fact that the traditional model is being blown up. You mentioned Hulu and Netflix. I throw Amazon in there as well with their original content. They're putting out some great shit that people are just loving. And these are three quote unquote channels or stations that have never appeared on on a standard television, satellite, cable, whatever. I mean, it's online only. You can only stream it through an app that's built into your TV or your console. And more and more, that's where people are not only watching, but that's where the quality programming is going. You're exactly right. I still watch some network shows but I normally do them through Hulu. Sure. And those network shows that you're watching have also benefited from the fact that they've had to up their fucking game to keep up with everyone else. We've said it hundreds of times. This is the true golden age of television. I don't know that you can even compare it to anything before. I mean, there is so much good content on right now. Maybe it's the platinum age. Calling it the second golden age seems a little reductive because it's so many leaps and bounds and light years ahead of everything that came in the first golden age of television. I mean, can you imagine Ralph Cramden going back in time and laying on a shower floor with his dong hanging out? Did you think that we would get that far (laughs) from to the moon, Alice to giant fucking prosthetic dicks? The term gratuitous nudity or gratuitous violent gets thrown around a lot. The, the boobs and the cocks in this show were used so well as a storyline component and not just like, hey, let's throw some balls and boobs in. They were. And so was the violence when uh, at the end of episode five, when the lady's head blows up right when he's mid-sentence, I laughed for about 10 minutes, dude. (laughs) That's the kind of violence I like. I don't like, I guess, harmful violence, if you will, or like ill will towards people. But yeah, if you have a bad guy, you're giving a speech to him and their head fucking explodes scanner style all over the place. That makes me laugh. 
right in your face. The the girl that he was crushing on, it was a, a little sad and a lot hilarious at the same time. Yeah, I might have to go back in and watch it again because it's it's a quick watch. It's 13 30-minute episodes, correct? It is. And unfortunately, a lot of times you're, you're chuckling so hard that you miss that next line of dialogue. And if you're not real diligent about stopping during the, the long bouts of laughter, you're, you're going to miss all kinds of shit. I can tell you absolutely I picked up new shit on my second watch. I was going to ask you kind of some significant things. Obviously, I've missed references and things like that, correct? Because it is. It's a quick watch. And I do. I do laugh out loud when I watch the show. Which is the the best compliment that you can give a comedy is that you're missing shit because you're laughing too hard. And laughing out loud by myself. It doesn't help that it's Thanksgiving weekend. God, having the weekend off to game has been one of the best things in the world. I think I told you yesterday, I'm almost done with Mario Odyssey. I did knock it out in two sittings. That's how good the game is. I'll give a full review at the end of the year. I don't know if it's going to be my game of the year, but damn, it's good. It's such a good love letter to all the old Mario games. And I think that's what I liked about it the best. And I don't think, even though I'm almost a Bowser, I think there's so much that I missed. And there's so much shit I saw that you did that I didn't find myself. So I know there's a lot more. There's a lot more meat to that game. Just beating Bowser isn't going to be the end game, I don't think. That was the perfect segue, dude. I was literally going to go into what is Eric playing next. So let's take a minute and talk about Mario. Uh, When I was there last weekend, I got through the first two levels. I say through like I got enough moons to progress. I don't feel like I completed half of the content that is actually there before moving on. But I remember that third world where I chose water. There was also like a wooded or, or jungle direction that you could go to. Was that optional or do you have to go back? I mean, tell me about how the map progresses from there. You have to do both. I did forest first. And then water. In fact, that's what I finished on my first night was up to that point. Forest level done, water level done, or close to water level done. And then there's like the lost world, the city, there's an ice level. There's a level that's all made out of food. (laughs) There's a Dark Souls castle level that's real small. I was disappointed in that, but it's got a killer fucking boss fight where you fight a dragon. That's awesome. Then Bowser's world is all, and sorry, this is spoilers for you. It's all uh, ancient Asia. So you're like Samurai Mario, which kicks fucking ass. And then the final level that I got to yesterday where I am right now, and I'm about halfway through it, is Bowser trying to do the wedding to Princess Peach on the moon. (laughs) First of all, I'm going to buy a Switch and this game, regardless of how much you spoil it. I got enough of a taste of it to realize uh, how good it is, really. I wasn't keeping track there as you were spinning through those. Are we talking like eight or nine worlds? I think so. I think there's 10 total, maybe. I'll have to look. I'm also thinking that getting more moons is going to unlock bonus worlds. The last two Mario Galaxy games have had bonus worlds. Hell, back to the Super Nintendo game, they had a whole different bonus world that you could rock. I don't think I've scratched the surface. If I were to guess, like percentage-wise, I'm probably 40% done from 100% in the game would be my, my estimate. Doug, though, there is a level, though, on the city where you finally rescue Princess Pauline, who I'm glad they went back to. And you basically play Donkey Kong going over the sides of buildings. Magical. One of my favorite scenes in gaming in 2017. Such a good way to be like, okay, yeah, we know you love Mario now. And look at this amazing game we gave you. But we're going to take you back to where it all started. We're going to take you back to those girders. And those jumping over barrels and shit like that. And and I love that stuff, man. 
Motherfucking Jumpman. Back to Jumpman. Exactly. Before he was even Mario. God, that's a good story to tell in the cast. I'll prepare it one time and tell it where the name Mario came from. It's a really neat tale, if you will. But yeah, anyone that owns a Switch should be playing Odyssey. Pick up Odyssey, pick up Zelda, pick up Mario Kart, and you will be set this Christmas if you've got kids. Or even if you don't, your fucking 2017 top 10 list is, is going to be brutal because I, as a 41-year-old gamer, can't remember having this many great titles in one fucking calendar year. In fact, uh, the research starts next week where I sit down and I spend two weeks playing whatever I didn't play. Like Resident Evil is a big one. I only play, I barely played it, so I don't feel like I can review it. I have played almost everything else, though, with the exception of Assassin's Creed, which I refuse to. That won't make my top 10. There's a spoiler for you right there. (laughs) Don't care how good it is. I'm not going to play it. I have played almost everything else, though. I'm sure there's indie titles and there's PC-specific shit I haven't. But I played a lot this year, man. And shit, I played a lot this, uh, this weekend. I don't know. I'm still leaning towards Horizon Zero Dawn, man. I think that might end up being my favorite. That or Mario right now. And I'll probably put Zelda third. South Park fourth. And then Nio fifth. You already sound like the uh, college football selection committee. We'll be interested to see how much that changes between now and the end of the year. Yeah, there's there's something I'm not thinking about. Injustice will make my top ten. Oh, yeah. Uh yeah, and there's there's other games that I'm not thinking about right now. Oh, a game I'm playing. Uncharted? Ah, uh, that's it's an expansion, kinda. Kinda. I don't know if that makes my list. That game was short. Okay. I don't I don't think that makes my ten. It was good. This isn't the place that that I argue with you. Um we'll we'll do a, a deep dive on that. And I know that you'll have your your bit faced episode about your top ten and we'll do something that's uh, sufficiently different, but I wanna I wanna get into the guts of the metrics that you're using to compare these games. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, fun factor. Music, gameplay. Hell, I played through Mario without any motion controls either, and I'd argue that makes the game harder. So did you use the pro controller that Toma had supplied, the one that didn't have the built-in gyroscopes or anything? I Yeah, and I played through the whole game with no motion at all. And would you recommend that? I don't know what I'm missing, the Joy-Cons are the smallest fucking controllers in the entire world. I cannot play with them. They are tiny. Even Nintendo's Pro Controller is not big. If you put it next to an Xbox pad or next to a PlayStation pad, my hands don't fit on those Joy-Cons. So I don't I don't like them. You're a gaijin. Is it racist to say that those controllers are designed for smaller Asian fists? It probably is. I mean, is is that why they're so small? I don't know. Kids would be the obvious choice there, not Asian people. Like it's made for kids. It's a Nintendo. Well, I don't like the motion controls, so I, I missed out. I think on doing a lot of the moves, and I think I'm going to have to use the motion controls in order to beat the game. In order to beat Bowser, or in order to complete it 100. percent 100. percent I'll beat Bowser. And you're going for a hundy on this one. We'll see what happens. We'll see what else comes out. I couldn't sleep last night. I had real bad insomnia and I played Star Wars Battlefront 2 for about six hours, 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. God, it's like you're reading my mind. You can't even see my rundown sheet. And that's exactly what I was going to ask you about next. It's really good. The progression system, though, is the worst thing I've ever seen. It's the dumpster fire of progression systems. So you have four classes in the game. 
like assault specialist officer and something else. And so obviously you're going to gravitate towards one of those classes, right? Well, in order to upgrade the classes, you have to use cards and the cards are all completely fucking random. So I can play with the officer, which is my favorite class all day long. If I don't get any cards for him, I don't get any extra powers. And again, it's all random. And you could start the officer class tonight and get all of his cards on like your first 10 loot boxes. EA has taken this loot box system and completely fucking bastardized it like they do with everything else. Thank God they they backed off of the pay as you play with the crystals. I think we touched on that a little bit last week. Yeah. But they said they're temporarily backing off of it, which means it might come back. Yeah, God, originally, man, I've been able to unlock some of the characters, but originally, I, there's no way. It would have taken me a month to unlock Darth Vader. That's the problem when you just drop the pay mechanic out of it, right? I mean, they engineered the game to be a difficult grind so that people would be incented to give them money as a shortcut. All they've done is take the shortcut away, which means there's only the long, grindy path to advancement, which I think I heard you just describe. It's exactly what it is. And the game is really pretty and it's fun to play and it's Star Wars. But the God, the progression system needs some work. They need to completely revamp it. I think the fact that gamers are finally starting to maybe fight back a little bit, maybe that means something. Or the fact that it was it had a Star Wars title and Disney stepped in is the only reason that EA backed off. It's all of that. I have never seen Reddit organized and agree everyone on reddit agreed on one thing and it's never happened before but it was ea fuck you and this game we are not buying it until you do something to fix it and i didn't pay for it i game share it so i don't feel bad about it (laughs) (laughs) but snoop dog might snoop dog might and i would have bought it Okay, so that right there tells me a lot. That means that despite all of its shortcomings, of of which there are a lot, and you can find out about all of them on pretty much any fucking website these days, like all the news sites even covered how badly this was botched. But there's enough redeeming qualities that it's still worth at least $60 out of your pocket. It's Star Wars. Name me another game this year where you can fly an X-Wing. Oh, um, I mean... $60 spent. Didn't you fly an X-Wing in VR? I did. But that was the other Star Wars game. I know. <laughs> and it came out the year before. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, it's it's Star Wars. I love, I love the property enough, much like with Friday the 13th. I love the property enough where... It's not going to take away from me playing it. It just won't. Let me ask you this. If after having heard you describe the the loot box mechanic for advancing one of the classes, if you had to grind a dungeon every day or a couple times a day to get a set piece or some kind of loot drop that was what facilitated your advancement versus a loot box, would that be more tolerable to you? Because it's kind of the same thing, just done in a different way. I hate that mechanic too. The Destiny mechanic, or I guess it's uh, Diablo. It's a lot of games. That was how it was done before they decided to turn it into a box instead of like a repeatable experience. 
I don't like the randomness of Star Wars. I should be able to pick a class I want and develop that class. I shouldn't have to play seven more matches to get another loot box. Well, fuck, this one didn't have anything for the officer in it either. Or, man, I'm glad I got all this stuff for Bosk, even though my favorite hero is Darth Vader or Rey. You know, I was kicking fucking ass with Vader last night, dude. He's he's my boy. Give me terms that most gamers can relate to, because it seems like even using World of Warcraft as an example, you can reach the 90th percentile relatively easily. And then there are dungeons that you have to find a lot of people to help you out with and grind again and again and again and again until you are lucky enough that your piece drops and you're actually the one who gets to loot it. And that's what pushes you up from the 90th percentile higher into the mid 90s, high 90s, as high as you can go. How high can you get in Battlefront without really starting to toil against that random loot box metric? I don't think you can get far at all. I'm already struggling with it. I uh, I like a certain type of starfighter and I'm getting stuff for the bomber class. I like the space fighter. But there's no way like I'm already frustrated to the point where if they would let me spend real money, I would have already. God, that's the dilemma, isn't it? <laughs> do you cave and, and do you pay to win? I won't. You know, I refuse to. But I've thought about it. The other problem with the game is as much as they fixed and made right in the first game, didn't have a campaign mode, didn't have a bunch of shit. I still really like the game. They let you play like they have special missions set up that are like horde mode, if you will, from Gears of War, where you and a buddy can side by side fight a bunch of waves of people and come up with strategies and find collectibles. And it was a shit ton of fun. Me and my friend Tom played tons of it. They have that mode this time. They made that mode exponentially better with different scenarios like Han and Lando fighting in Mos Eisley. And you'd still have the same star system and things like that. One star is easy. Three stars is hard. But they completely took the online play out of it. So now Tom and I can't play that mode together. We have to play couch co-op. So you and I could play it. But I can't play with my friends online. If you already have something that's working and that's fun, why the fuck would you take it away? That's a great question. It's one reason why Star Wars Battlefront 2 will not make my top 10 in 2017. That's telling. Even though it's a Star Wars property and it's fun as shit that there was something that just doesn't put it in the upper echelons of uh, the other great games that we've got to enjoy this year. I like to fly the spaceships. That for me will always be worth the 60 bucks. And the music, like even in the loading screens, when the Star Wars music is playing, that to me is worth the 60 bucks. It's a Star Wars game. I just wish someone like Blizzard or Rockstar had the Star Wars license and not fucking EA. That is going to be my bold prediction for 2018, and I'm calling it right now. EA cost themselves the Star Wars license for a title of this caliber going forward. Give it to BioWare. Give it to anybody but EA. Give it to a new studio. Let's see some new ideas. Yeah. And you have to assume that there's contracts there that they signed years ago, which is why a company like EA, which has been voted like the most despised corporation. Is it two or three years in a row now? It's I think it's like three years in a row. Right. And Disney does not want to associate itself with that kind of uh, consumer vitriol. Or what, what's a better word there? Just like a deep, deep hatred. <laughs> Ire. 
it's even worse than I are. Uh, EA is one of those just like people buy their games, but people bitch about buying their games because they hate giving them more money because they know what that's going to equate to. That contract's going to expire or Disney's going to decide to buy them out. Yeah, exactly. Here's a buyout amount, just like DC's going to have to do with Brett Ratner. <laughs> Can you imagine if you give give the Star Wars property to a different studio every year? Can you imagine like the Naughty Dog Star Wars game? Oh, my God. And how fucking awesome that would be. Yeah, a developer that is uh, small enough to say, oh, my God. Thank you for giving us this property. We're going to treat it as reverently as anything can be done. EA wrote a campaign for this game, but really the campaign is five missions with you with this new character that I love her so much. I can't even remember her name. That's how boring she was. It was like watching a piece of drywall walk through the Star Wars universe. But then they pepper in like, oh, here's Han with a beard. You can play with grizzled, divorced Han. Isn't that cool? Isn't that what you want to do? Like, No, we want a new original story. There's game studios out that can tell that story. God, give it to fucking 2K Games. Give it to the people that made Bioshock. Give give it to anybody but EA. I'm not saying I don't want a Star Wars shooter every couple years. I, I fucking do. I think there's a point of saturation you can make it to. We are not at that point with Star Wars video games now. There's so much more you can do with Star Wars titles. Why haven't we had a Pokemon Go that's similar to Star Wars? I think you're right. I hope you're right. Take it away from from EA. There's nothing wrong with a shooter, but give us something more. Even if EA doesn't lose the license or, or get bought out, we will never see another game in the Star Wars IP that's mishandled like this one. Like, In, in fact, I would be so bold as to say the next game we get is going to be over the top in terms of fan service and uh, quality. Bang for your buck to make up for this massive fucking misstep with arguably the most lucrative and valuable property in entertainment. Hands fucking down. Yeah, it has to be, right? I can't think of another that would come close. Maybe Marvel's starting to get there, and I still think if you ask the average person on the street which one's more important culturally, artistically, and is going to be around in in 30 years, people still vote on the side of Star Wars. Yeah, I'd be tempted to agree with you. I think you and I both talked about that it's it's our first fandom, and I think it's a lot of people's first fandom. I know that you have logged a lot of hours on console recently. Is there anything else of note that you would want to make a point to talk about tonight? Battle Chasers. Ooh, what's that? It's a comic book I used to read. It's an indie comic. If you've never read it, I highly recommend you check it out. The art style is amazing. For me to sit down and play a turn-based Japanese-style RPG, it's got to be the best turn-based-style Japanese RPG out there. I can't put Battle Chasers down. I think I've logged 50 hours since I got the game three weeks ago. Holy shit. Like, that's two and a half times as many as you logged on Fractured But Whole. Yeah, I got through Fractured But Whole really quickly. Battle Chasers is a much longer game, and there is some grinding to it. I love the art style. I love the way the combat style is done. Fractured But Whole is, is what's gotten me back into playing that kind of game again. I think I told you I got a game called Plague Road that I downloaded specifically because it was a grid-based combat system, just like Fractured was. And I wanted something in that vein. Fractured really got me into the uh, the chess. 
aspect of those matches and okay i need to get this guy here to heal here and this guy needs to be here to push this guy back over here so this attack won't hit me here i love that i don't know if you like the aspect of the game or if you're just there for cartman's manscaping jokes every five minutes but i really liked uh i really liked that that style so battle chasers takes a comic book i love to read puts all that art style in there it's got a great crafting system i never like to craft in this game i do uh, it's got a great weapon system. Uh, the story is good. Very similar to Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm really kind of into the narrative. And all the dungeons are random. And for me, that's the best part because there's so much online with guides and you can really get through any game you want to right now if you go on GameFAQs, correct? I think so. Bullshit with this one. Uh-oh. You can. <laughs> No, there's going to be hints and tips, and I've looked at guides for this game just because I was curious how they'd be written. There's like, you might come across these five things in the dungeon. And so that aspect of it, the fact that you can't cheat it, you have to fucking play it. I love that. Got to do the work. You have to put in the work. You have to grind your characters up. You have to learn how the battles work. You know me, I'm a glutton for punishment. I'm probably the biggest Dark Souls fan on the planet. I don't like to be able to beat something quickly. I like the sense of grinding on something. Like the Cuphead boss battles are a prime example. Some of those fights now I can do with my eyes closed and not get hit. But if you watch me play him for the first time, you would have been like, dude, that dude is terrible. (laughs) He has no (laughs) clue what's going on. But I can do those frogs now without taking a hit of damage. That is a a great place for me to mention that just like with Mario and the controls with the Joy-Con versus the Pro Controller, controls make all the difference in a game like that. I was struggling with a lot of the bosses in the first world until Zach was over for a Thanksgiving dinner yesterday. I'm sorry, day before yesterday. And the first thing he noticed was like, dude, why are all the actions on the face? And he remapped my controller made all of the fucking difference. So you're dashing with right trigger, right? Left trigger, because right trigger, I map to fire. So I just hold down right trigger. That's my shoot button. And I'm dashing with left trigger, jumping with A, and special with B. I think that's how I have mindset, because one of the things that really helped me out, and I haven't really shared this information with everyone, that power you can buy that makes you invincible when you dash is the key to the game. Absolutely. You're exactly right, because if you can't take damage when you're dashing, it's huge. It, it is, and uh, I don't think I'm even as far as you are now. I love Cuphead, but I don't pick it up. Like tomorrow, I have another relaxing day off of gaming before a week of hell at work. I might not pick up Cuphead tomorrow because I know what it's going to require. <laughs> you do have to be in a certain masochistic frame of mind to be able to play that. And it's not often that I am. Um, maybe once every week or two. But every time I do, uh, now at least, I know I can give my time and defeat a boss or defeat a run and gun level. Whereas before, I would spend, literally, Eric, sometimes two or three hours and not not actually accomplish something. And it was all because of the controls. I'm glad you got the remap. I should have told you that I did that too, because I was getting cramps on my hand. And I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. You play so much and so many different types of games that I don't expect you to be able to dispense wisdom on all of them. I would like to dispense some wisdom to our listeners, though. If we can go back quickly through the games that we've talked about tonight, and I'd like you to give your recommendation in terms of like, if you were talking to Doug 
would you recommend that I, that I pick this title up? I think we both agree. We talked about Fractured Butthole. That one's a hands-down recommendation from both of us. Yeah. Would you recommend that I drop change on Battlefront? If you're going to play multiplayer with me and Box, yes. If you're not going to play multiplayer with us, no. You're going to play through a couple scenarios on the couch with Connor. You'll play through the campaign. You'll knock that out in six hours, five hours maybe. You're not one that's going to go back to look for collectibles and shit like that. I'm not. But you do love Star Wars. I do. But you also don't like shooters. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's got to be a great shooter. Overwatch proved that uh, I can still love and, and enjoy a game when it's executed well. If you didn't like Battlefront 1 and the guns and stuff, and I do like them. I think the Star Wars guns are very unique. And I like that because I've played a million Call of Duty games when I've got an M1 Garand. So I, I dig that part of it. If you're going to get on and play multiplayer with your bros, pick up Battlefront. If you're not, it's not worth your $60. And I think in your case, I know you pretty well, probably not worth your $60. No, and I, I think that's a, a great way to frame it, that the replayability lies in the multiplayer, which is true of a lot of titles, and it's not a bad thing, but at least there's still some value in this game. I did start Fractured Butthole over exclusively because I enjoyed the combat mechanics so much. You went straight to Plague Road. Is that one you'd recommend for the casual gamer? For the casual, definitely not. You might be into it. It's hard. And it's also random, which you can see a trend here with me. I don't like shit that's on rails, man. I don't like shit that's scripted. I want to go into a fresh experience every time. When you told me about those puzzles in The Witness that reset every time, I was like, bing, light bulb went off. That's what you need to fucking do in that game. So there's no cheating. There's no bullshit. You either can fucking think or you can't, motherfucker, and put the game down. <laughs> Go pick up something else. Nice. Uh, I, Plague Road, you need to try it. Uh, shit. You can try it for free since it's on PS4. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, so you, you can go play it. I think you might be into it if you're into that Fractured Butthole Combat. It's brutal, though, man. And it's one of those games where you can have a party built up of heroes and you make one wrong mistake and you lose all of them permanently. Oh, shit. Like that Darkest Dungeon? Darkest Dungeon, yes. And I, I again, another game. I will never tell any of the casuals, don't play Dark Souls, don't play Darkest Dungeon, and probably don't play Plague Road. Now, granted, you might find something that you love about those games, but I think one of the reasons I like Dark Souls, it's one of the first, first things I picked up where I died on the tutorial boss. And I was like, okay, this has got a little <laughs> bit more to it than, than what I'm used to playing. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend Plague Road. I would recommend Battle Chasers to a casual though. Okay. Hands down, I would. Because you can figure out the combat and you have time to think between moves. When it's your turn, the action stops. And you can look at things and think like, okay, this person doesn't have enough health, but if I attack this guy, he's dead and he can't attack the next round. And so you can, you're allowed to think through it. And you're playing that one on Xbox or PlayStation? I am playing it on Xbox, but I believe it is on PS4 and PC as well. And kind of an ambivalent choice there because there's no multiplayer component. So it's just whatever. It's single player. If you're not familiar with the comic book, you probably won't get as much enjoyment out of the game as I have. But watch the trailer. If you like the art style in the trailer, I think you'll really dig the game. It's a very unique art style. I believe it's Joe Matarera is the artist that did Battle Chasers. And I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, but he's a phenomenal artist. It has a very cartoony look to it. Uh, I won't get into the story here, but it's about a girl 
basically living in her father's uh, her father's shadow. It's it's great. If you're into RPGs, it brought me back to the Final Fantasy two and three days when I I used to play almost exclusively RPGs. And I went away with that when I went to college and I never have gone back to it. Final Fantasy 10, I often say, is what broke me <laughs> of the genre completely. It did. It really did, man. Warcraft, I don't really count because I played that game, not because the game was amazing, it was, but I played that game because all of you played that game with me. Well, and everyone was playing because that game was done so well. Uh, we, we've talked about that ad nauseum. We're still on the hunt for that next game, which has the broad appeal and the challenge and the fact that it's 12 different games in one and you don't have to play the same game that everyone else is playing and you can still have an equal amount of, of entertainment and enjoy it as much. That's pretty ringing endorsement. I think when you're comparing it to final fantasy two and three, that tells me and correct me if I'm wrong here, but listeners, when you're preparing your Santa list this year, you need a Hulu subscription and you need battle chasers. Play horizon zero dawn. You're not going to get this episode when it's still on sale, but I think you can get it for 20 bucks right now. Worth every penny. If you're into adventure games, if you're into a good story, if you can handle the combat, I think the Horizon Zero Dawn combat, I almost liked it better than Zelda. It's a good thing that you mentioned that this episode will go up probably on Monday, the 27th is when I'll actually publish it. And I think the sales for steam xbox and playstation all extend through monday because it's cyber monday so uh, go and check out all of those titles that are available for a discounted rate uh, while you still have time to do so it's hard for me to gauge too because i have bought a lot this year and i xbox share so i've gotten a lot of games for free but there was a lot of good stuff when i was looking through the sale i think xbox has over 400 games on sale so if you're gonna buy games and hell you can gift games now, which I think is great that they brought that back. In fact, I told Jacob he wants Battlefront for Christmas. I'm just going to gift it to you, buddy. You'll power on your Xbox one morning and it'll be a surprise. It'll be there waiting for you. And I even asked him, do you care about the physical box? No, I don't care about the box. I just want the game. Okay, cool. <laughs> nice. All right. Anything else you want to convey before we wrap here? It's weird to be back on the mic. I've done, uh, I didn't record for like three weeks and I've done seven episodes in two weeks. Fuck yes. So it's, it's, it's fun. I missed it a little bit. I guess we're going to record next weekend before the SEC championship game, which Georgia is going to win. We've got a lot of interesting stuff in the pipe now, and that's where I'm going to leave it because I'm not quite sure how it's going to materialize. I did want to make a point to mention that everyone who enjoys Tap In Geek Out should also be listening to Bitfaced, uh, where Eric is doing not better material, but equally as good and a completely different style of show. You got to hear it. One of his co-hosts, Rebecca, has a fantastic charity, which we haven't talked about in a while because we haven't been on the mic in the while. Cap for Kids is always something that that should be mentioned and uh, I'm, I'm hoping that people are paying attention to we'll have some stuff in the show notes for that as well like we talked about at the top of the show an untapped page where we're now putting our beer reviews fuck am i missing anything now uh I, we mentioned the friendster account last week so we're, we should be good there <laughs> i saw you guys added us thank thank you for that <laughs> Oh, fuck. Do I even have a close? No, I fucking I took the ball and ran it down the field. K-State style. Jesus Christ. Do I remember the old one? Hear it. Tap in, geek out.
We love all kinds of feedback and questions. You can find our email and Facebook details at tapingeekout.com. Do you like that effect? <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at tapingeekout. And drop a review for the show on the iTunes or Play Store. You'll also want to check out our untapped page for beer reviews. Huge thanks to all the listeners. And until next time, tap in, geek out. <laughs> That's perfect.